rough start, huh? Must have been pretty humiliating. Get out of my room. See, I'm just I'm worried about the next act. I'm just not sure you're feeling up to it. Stop. Please stop. How about I dance the black swan for you? Leave me alone! God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 23, Black Swan. So, pretty big episode for us this week. Yep. (laughs) Alright, great dynamite contribution there. So, I mean, with this show, um, we've tried to kind of cover a wide range of topics of personal favorites, um... Some more obscure stuff, some random stuff, but you know, sometimes you gotta like tackle the big cornerstone movies of you know your favorites. Yeah, this is a strange movie because it, you know, got some Oscar nominations and stuff, but it doesn't feel like it's one of those movies that you know people still talk about six years later or whatever. I'm still talking about. Well, it. yeah, we never stopped talking about it. Yeah, those I don't know what what kind of movies do people still talk about. I don't know, maybe none. <laughs> I don't know though. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this movie like it was one of the more anticipated movies for me of the last you know decade or so. I mean, really just saw a trailer for it, didn't really know what it was yet saw who was in it saw some of the subject matter (laughs) and then you know at the end you find out it's from darren aronofsky who i was a fan of his other movies and it was just like wow this is like a match made in heaven for me you were like those idiots in american pie too like oh my god lesbians (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean a lot of my life has been based on american pie (laughs) too And a lot of my, uh, you know, thoughts and feelings about the lesbian community. <laughs> yeah, probably one of my... Although this is, let's be clear, this is not <laughs> by any means a lesbian movie <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> There's just one scene. <laughs> but, Although uh, a lot of talk about that scene before the movie came out, because wasn't it one of those things where they had to... I don't know if there was a rating issue with this beforehand or maybe the director of blue valentine compared because like they had an issue right and they referenced how black swan didn't have an issue or something so a cunnilingus yeah issue. yeah right <laughs> which is such a fun word to say <laughs> yeah well we c- i mean maybe one day we'll do an episode on blue valentine and we can really get into that i don't think that this movie actually did have any Issues that I remember with getting an R rating. Okay. But, yeah. Either way. There's a complicated relationship between the MPAA and, you know, performing oral sex on a woman. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) Unless it's two hot chicks that everyone likes, like Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman, then it's fine. It's just art at that point. (laughs) A lot of anticipation going into this one. Um, We went to the midnight premiere. (laughs) 
<laughs> something that we're not ashamed to admit, apparently. <laughs> right, and I mean, something that we haven't done much since. Well, we're too old. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's not like this was like a packed theater when we went to see it. No. I mean, we weren't the only ones. No. But, yeah. I don't... It was during a time... I don't even know if they do this anymore, where, like, literally every Thursday... They were doing like a midnight, but now like they at don't least really over have the summer. to, yeah. Because now every movie technically opens at like eight p.m. on Thursday, right? Like if you want to see it's cheating the system, you know the new Ninja Turtles movie, you can just go Thursday at eight rather than Friday at you know ten a.m. or something, right? Plus, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only a podcast, so okay. it's not a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, this movie focuses on uh, the competitive world of uh, ballet. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to oh, say. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, this movie only had like a $13 million budget, but it made like $323 million worldwide or something. Like, Yes. I mean, Aronofsky should have got to make whatever movie he wanted after that. Yeah, he did. Noah. Yes. <laughs> okay. And it had a huge budget, and I don't think it really made any... Well, I think it did okay, but it didn't right. really... Okay, so this movie focuses on <laughs> someone, as you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is a uh, kind of a look at the competitive world of ballet through the eyes of Nina. A lunatic. <laughs> Yes, uh, Natalie Portman plays Nina, who is basically a paranoid schizophrenic, and everything we kind of see is from her perspective, yet her perspective is unreliable. Every relationship she has in the film is tense. Yes, she's <laughs> fraught very with, uh, easily upset. Yeah, it's everything's fraught with a feeling of imminent danger and dread. Anything that's being done is being done at her. And, <laughs> yeah. The world is against her, and I would say roughly 85% of the film, she's crying. Yes. There's constant tears. Right. She's uh, fragile, underdeveloped emotionally, sexually, uh, overprotected. Sheltered. Sheltered. Uh, she lives with her mother in a small apartment. Um, How many words can we use to say the same thing? <laughs> She seems to have like a very limited world. It's her kind of closed off, uh, rigid, scheduled, sheltered home life and her, you know, career as a dancer. Yes. So it's dance studio or whatever you want to call that and home. Right. That's it. The company. Back and forth. Um, Yeah. Unclear how old she is, but we would say probably around 20, 1920, post high school, but uh, yeah, probably early 20s. Still is a pursuing. Safe guess. Th- this is her main focus in life, is pursuing this ballet career. Right. And the scope of her mental illness is not clear to us at the beginning of the film. Right. We think, you know, she seems like a sensitive, um, timid girl, but w- we don't know, understand fully, all the way until the end of the film, just how deep. Her psychosis runs. And so we kind of... That's really the tension of the film is trying to figure out what is reality and what is not. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, there are some consequences for her because her stress level is increased dramatically throughout as she fights for and is eventually given the lead role in the new production of Swan Lake. It's her time. Yes, and this is something she wants very much, yet it seems like something she can't handle yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> right. And this is just the event that kind of pushes her over the edge. If you kind of like want to compare the story of Swan Lake to the film itself, it's Nina is basically the white swan, something we're you know, flat out told many times by her company director, uh, Toma. Toma. As he tries to cast the role it's in the like, ballet. Dude, your name is Thomas, all right? <laughs> well, he's foreign. You French douche. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I mean, is he French? It's I don't know. Like, <laughs> not even, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
he's trying to cast this role and Nina's trying to convince him that he's right for it and it's kind of this struggle because ultimately like Nina is a great dancer and right. she is somewhat deserving of the lead she but she's very uh careful and exact in her dancing yeah very technically skilled T- yes and that's not necessarily what Toma is looking for well, her downfall... Yeah. We'll call him Big Tom from <laughs> yeah. now on. Her downfall seemingly being that she doesn't have a very kind of natural flow to her. Everything looks like very choreographed and orchestrated and not very free-flowing. Yes, and um, it's her purity and innocence that kind of is what Toma blames in a way. <laughs> because let's face it, Big Tom is a bit of a creep. Yeah. He's and, suggesting she needs to let loose a little way. Yeah, and I mean, aside from, you know, fully groping her and putting <laughs> his hands between her legs and kissing her and all of this, these many things, he basically at one point tells her that she has to masturbate. Yeah. He has a very uh, specific teaching style. <laughs> Lecherous creep? Is yeah, that the style? Right, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he just kind of lives in a universe where that kind of behavior is acceptable and no one questions it whatsoever somehow (laughs) which is great right he basically is living the greatest life ever lived (laughs) (laughs) and it's pretty i mean there's a lot of um suggestion and implication uh the current lead in his ballet company is uh beth who's played by winona Ryder, and he like refers to her as uh his little princess and all these little things and her outrage and jealousy and emotional breakdown at being taken out of the lead and being kind of forced into retirement, uh, it definitely, the emotions are running wild and free at that point. It seems like there is clearly like some sort of sexual relationship between yes, uh, Beth and Toma. He seems like he kind of grooms these chicks to, once <laughs> they become the lead, you know. And the best part is, like, when he chooses Nina, like other girls are pissed. Like right. they are all fighting for this. Yes. They want this. I mean, he has basically set up this, you know, hierarchy with him on top and all of these beautiful women fighting to be the one that sucks his cock. Yeah, I mean, what a they great all like want. <laughs> they're all like you know willing to slit each other's throats for that chance. Yeah, what a great little world he's constructed for himself. And. Through conversations between Nina and uh, Lily, who is kind of, we'll get to her more in a minute, uh, she pretty much is brainwashed into believing that Toma is a genius and everything he says is right and everything he does is right. I mean, we kind of, and even though Lily is kind of more of Toma's style in terms of dancing and living and being... She's the one that kind of is like a little bit more cynical about this right. old creep and like understands what's happening yes. much more clearly. I don't really have like a great mind for the ballet business, but I, <laughs> why hard, would you? Yeah, I don't know, but it's hard to figure out what is going on here. Like, so it's a ballet company. Is he the owner or does he no, run I, it? I don't think. He's, okay. Well, I don't know if anybody owns. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I think he's just like the director. Right, okay. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he owns like the building. I'm sure that's right. all that comes from yeah. like donations yes. okay. and foundations. Well, yeah, but you can still own a company that doesn't, I mean, it could be like an LLC or something. Well, do you, uh, what would he own? The girls? The production company. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they're employees of the... Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like he has a lot of power. Because <laughs> can't these Yeah, but be I mean, like, there is the scene where he takes, where he first takes D- Nina out to meet the public and okay. these are the people that he's basically relying on for money right which he says but at one point we see where he lives it looks like he's doing pretty good well right i'm sure he cuts himself a nice little salary out of the deal but yeah meanwhile you know the lead in the play living in this rinky dink apartment with her mom well before she's cast into the lead i mean she was just a regular dancer i can't yeah. imagine these ballet dancers are making a lot of money yeah so i'm just saying equal pay for equal work <laughs> So the struggle is whether or not Nina can access her inner black swan because in the story of Swan Lake, she will be kind of required to dance what is essentially considered to be two parts in one, which is the white swan and the black swan. And the black swan 
is much more emotional and free and passionate, which are all things that Nina seems to lack in yeah. her dancing. But ultimately, uh, throughout the course of the film, the Black Swan kind of represents like a transformation in Nina herself from a shy, meek girl to a sexually aware, assertive, and fully developed woman. Or at least faking it. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of a a tried and true uh, story of the transformation from childhood into adulthood, but kind of done in a unique environment with the added bonus of the person going through the transformation being completely insane. Yeah. I mean, the movie is kind of categorized as like a psychological thriller. Which it does have that feel at parts, you know, the shock music being played during the uh, mother asleep during masturbation scene. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know. It is. Yeah, it's like a weird psychopath coming of age. (laughs) I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, to me, and I I think this is something that I've mentioned before to you, but um, this film is like a, uh, it's like a pretty interesting example of what superior directing and acting can get you um this script with pretentious line of the day (laughs) this script with different people at the at the helm i think could have easily fallen into like you know cheesy horror yeah or i mean there's a where she turns into a swan and starts killing people (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't say that like the dialogue or even the idea is particularly great. Um, it's more of the execution that is, uh, you yeah. know, high, high end. And so psychological thriller in the end might be a, <laughs> a badge of honor for a film like this True. to wear because yeah. it, it could have easily just been horror right. schlock bullshit. Yeah. Um, I did find it to be, I mean, this is a word that I use a lot for movies that I like, but engaging, like I felt in, to the movie the whole time in like when we saw it in theaters, which a lot of movies that I go to in theaters, I'm checking out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I mean, just an incredible score. Yes. That really like hooks you in. And I mean, Natalie Portman is unbelievable in this movie. Yeah. She's just like, I mean, she's one of the, she easily is, has one of the most beautiful faces of all time. Right. And yet you completely buy into this meek, weak kind of defeated person who's just unsure of herself yet kind of has these ambitions but like doesn't know how to do it and you know wants things but is afraid and 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 you kind of have you have to buy that first before you're fully aware of her you know paranoia and all those these other mental illnesses that kind of show up throughout right you know the second half of the film more and more but like yeah a normal criticism from us would would be like, oh, yeah, a chick that looks like this has zero confidence. Okay. <laughs> but not not for this movie. No, I mean she does a, she does a great job. Yeah, I mean even the uh it, the movie overall got really good reviews obviously and and nominations, but the the few like bad reviews that I read on it, even like Leonard Malton that Ugh. douche was like saying how he didn't like it, but her performance in it was phenomenal which it is yeah okay so one of the big things in this film to really unpack i love when people say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh is nina's relationship with her mother right uh barbara hershey who plays her mother is unbelievable in this film too yeah i don't even think she was nominated for supporting actress she may have been but i didn't know who she was until i saw this movie and we talked about this movie a lot after we saw it. But now knowing that name, she's in like a ton of movies. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're just an idiot is yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. I'm sure everyone knows who Barbara Hershey is. I'm just is. kidding. <laughs> oh, why don't you cry about it? Um, this will be something that's brought up probably in seven more episodes after this <laughs> by you. Yeah. Okay. So. There's a lot of different ways to look at this relationship between mother and daughter, and none of the none of them are a hundred percent confirmed, because as we've mentioned probably many 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 times on this podcast, one of the great 
indicators of an interesting film would be to leave things up to the viewer and there's no definitive answer uh, when it comes to like little nuances. Now, I'm not saying that like every movie needs to leave complete storylines unresolved, but like little things for people who are more into the film to think about and to consider and to try to pick up clues one way or another and everyone can have their own theories and blah, 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 blah. And so one of those things would be the state of Nina's mental illness prior to right. when the film takes place. And is that an explanation for everything we see in their apartment? Because before you're fully aware of what is going on with Nina and everything seems kind of scary, her mother is an intimidating frightening figure in her life and mm-hmm. she seems very oppressive and controlling and you know intimidating which i already said but you know like yeah. and you're not sure why she's treating nina like a child and is often kind of frightening and it's just like almost like you almost see her as like a villain in the movie but then if you look at it from the perspective of if she is aware of nina's you know mental illness all along and is she just doing her best to protect her is she concerned that getting the lead in swan lake is this going to just push her over the edge right because i think it's clear that she's been living in some distress for quite a while i mean she's socially inept she doesn't really have like a life and she doesn't really know how to interact with people in like a normal way yes but like because it's it's a little alarming when you first see like Nina's bedroom and it's basically uh like a 9-year-old's yes. bedroom with the the colors and the stuffed animals and it's kind of like creepy but it makes sense from the perspective of if Nina has shown these signs before and started to go down this road before and this is her way of and this is her mother's way of trying to you know deal with that the best way that she can um another potential theory that i've read is i think it was on slash film uh the idea that uh nina's mother is molesting her all along which i don't necessarily buy into that but there are enough context clues to make a yeah well one scene in particular I would say, right? The uh, making her take her clothes off and dragging her into the bathroom. Yeah, and I mean, that sounds like, (laughs) that sounds very damning in one way. But I mean, in the context of Nina's been scratching herself and has this kind of rash thing on her shoulder that, you know, gets worse and worse throughout the film. Oh, yeah, and it definitely, I mean, the way her mom talks about that, it kind of seems like to indicate that maybe she's had... It's I don't know maybe she's hurt herself before or something or right but, right but there's yeah. also you could also say that when Lily shows up at the apartment and she doesn't even let Nina see who's at the door and she like freaks out when Nina's gonna leave and right. there's the parts where like she'll say things like are you ready for me like coming into her room every night before yeah. she goes to sleep yeah and like, that is weird and then kind of to skip ahead a little bit there's the big scene between who we think is lily and nina uh after they've gone out that night and gotten drunk and taken some drugs sort of drug and, yeah. I think ecstasy or okay. something and like they go back to nina's house or apartment and they run into her bedroom and then it sl- kind of turns into this lesbian love scene uh we find out the next morning that that didn't really happen however some people would say that what really happened was that was actually nina's mother and the clue there is in the the fantasy element she puts that stick down to block the door so that no one could get in but in the morning if you pay attention when she opens the door after and like when she wait when Nina wakes up and she realizes that she's late to rehearsal, like the stick isn't blocking the door anymore. I like the overprotective mother theory better. Well, it's just, a, <laughs> but like, yeah, there's just no. It's unsettling theory. Now, my own personal theory, which I picked up after the second time I saw it in theaters, was that Thomas 
is Nina's father. What? <laughs> because All right, this is his, news to me. Her mother was a dancer. Yeah. Her mother uh, references oh, a yeah. fil- familiarity with Toma, and he, she specifically says, "Did he try anything with you?" Indicating that she's aware of Toma's reputation and the kind of things that he does, and the way slash timing of her saying that she gave up her own career to have Nina. There seemed to be some like obviously there's the general resentment of just saying that in the first place, but there seemed to be something like extra in the way she was saying it. Now probably I'm looking too much into that and. You know, in, trying to find uh, clues where there, there might are be none. Something but, there, but uh, do you? In well, this... he's definitely the only. In terms of the film, he is the father figure. He's the only male. He's older, right. and he she is constantly seeking his approval. Yes. So I mean, he is the father of the movie in the sense that she has no other male figures in her life, and she wants his approval more than anything else. But within the construct of this theory, is he aware? No. Okay. Wow. And he's just like making out with her, <laughs> yeah, and grabbing her pussy. And <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, so the other uh, big part of the film, obviously, is Lily, who we've mentioned a couple times, played by the radiant, <laughs> <laughs> magnificent yes. Mila Kunis. She is the Black Swan. Uh, she is already all of the things um, that Nina wants to become, or. I don't even know if she wants to become those things, but right. she has to. She feels like she has to yes. unlock these things. And, I mean, Lily obviously is a very uh, wild, uh, not very wild, but more wild than Nina. I mean, she drinks. She does drugs. She's Promiscuous sex. Yeah, she's very sexually forward. Tom. Yeah. Um, she's not afraid to just, like, hook up with dudes. And her conversation with Nina when they go out together is very direct about uh, Nina and Toma and saying, you know, asking what he's like sexually. And (laughs) at one point she just like blurts out something about him licking her pussy or something. I mean, it's like very like in your face, like what Lily's saying. And I think that's intentional because that is everything Nina's not. They can't, they could not, it wouldn't even make sense for her to say that in a more delicate way. Like it's, she has to be the polar opposite to Nina. It's something that would shock Nina. And in a way, Lily is symbolic to not only the viewers, but also to Nina. And I think like, even through the haze of her own like mental illness, I think she understands this on some level that even maybe if she doesn't understand it specifically, she understands that Lily is a threat to her only because Lily is everything she's not. Um, and her own paranoia obviously ramps that up to infinity. Right. But it seems to be true irregardless of whether Nina's mentally ill or not. I mean, it's hard to always gauge what is real and what Lily really does, but I feel like the scene with Toma and Nina watching them dance or watching Lily dance yeah. where Toma is basically telling her these things. I mean, I feel like that's real. Yeah. And obviously her presence uh, and perceived threat accelerates uh, Nina's psychotic break. <laughs> and she's kind of just a catalyst to a lot of the more dynamic scenes in the film, whether it's the lesbian love scene, whether it's the eventual uh, stabbing that takes place that, you know, reveals itself to be a self-stabbing later. But Lily's kind of always there. And a lot of times um, they kind of project her as like a blank canvas because we see Lily from a distance with Nina's face several times. Right. These are some of the first hallucinations is Nina seeing herself uh, in reflections or in other people. And it isn't just limited to Lily. However, it soon kind of becomes exclusively Lily by the end of the film. Yeah, well, this is again where my question here has to, but th- this is why some of these questions get hard to answer because of the distorted point of view that we're seeing the movie from, which is Nina. But is Lily ever actually like does she take Nina out just because she wants to, her to have fun or is there like some sort of motive of like oh, she'll oversleep? Well, here's here's one of the big questions, um, and I actually wrote this down. 
who is Lily and what are her real intentions? Right. Well, we don't really know. I never when I when I watch this movie, I never really think that she's doing anything at Nina until the part when Nina shows up when she's not when her mom calls in and says that she's not coming because she's not for opening well. night. Of right. Someone, like, yes. And she shows up and Lily's like freaking out like she's not supposed to be here. Right. That it's kind of like the first time that she kind of loses her cool because it most of the time you I don't know if it's supposed to be portrayed by her that she just doesn't really care but that's the gist that you get that she's just like yeah she does this ballet stuff she likes it it's fun but like but is there like this cutthroat politicking part of her too and that she's trying to get that role i don't know could be a little bit of both i think you could explain the opening night thing away by just saying well he told her that she was going to be the the lead tonight and mentally she's preparing for that it's kind of like a probably you know exciting to be given this opportunity yeah, and then to have sure. it yanked away you yeah know, she does have a very kind of, like visceral reaction to it though and you know later in the film when we think that lily is dead and then she comes down to talk to nina yeah shocking nina but like she actually seems to be somewhat genuine in her congratulations and telling her how great she is and all this stuff so i mean mm-hmm. it's really hard lily and i think you know we're not necessarily supposed to because lily is more of just a representation of nina's warped thinking right her paranoia her feeling that everyone is out to get her and you know this tremendous threat on everything she's worked for and and has at this moment and you know it yeah and the way like nina's mind works it's like she looks at someone like lily and she's like how can i be that like it has to be some calculated like technical way to become this person even though the real way to be become that person is you don't think about it like you just live naturally yeah and again this uh lily kind of comes up when you look at a lot of the major um fears that nina has um throughout the film um sexuality she has this dream or fantasy or something that involves lily yes um and fear of being replaced and being outshone outshined i don't know what the right word would be oh yeah (laughs) which also ties in with beth who we'll get to in a minute but and you know a lot of these things have to deal with the uh the transformation um for whatever reason, we don't know why, Nina seems very inexperienced sexually, which is the complete opposite of Lily, who's portrayed as basically a very sexual being. Right. Putting it out there. Well, Nina, it, it, I mean, it just goes back to that underdeveloped thing. Just her whole mindset. I mean, we talked about it before where it's like not really clear if she's a virgin, but seems like probably because Toma questions her about it. Not only is she probably a virgin it seems like she's never touched herself right or or explored any sexual it's just all part of this like self-image thing like oh it's like very young and like very the princess type yeah so all of these things all these factors are kind of swirling around um and you know they're being built upon each other over and over and over kind of getting more and more crazy as the opening night of Swan Lake approaches. Um, and we're kind of seeing uh, a lot of like mutilation, self-mutilation going on, which has to do with the transformation, um, which literally is the transformation of, you know, Nina into this more fully realized woman, but uh, metaphorically is kind of being portrayed by these hallucinations where she's slowly actually turning into a swan right but it kind of deals with a lot of things that like you know that you might be more apt to see in like a cronenberg film um a lot of like gross gross (laughs) stuff like her tearing at her fingers or cutting keep talking and uh somehow it froze up i don't know if we missed a part there but okay and um you know, like, finally, you know, her legs breaking back to at the knee in, like, this very bizarre way, you know, yeah. to kind of replicate, like, a swan's legs and 
Um, you know, the thing going on with her shoulder, the rash, which eventually pulls like a tiny feather right. out a, of I want to talk about that part because I, I remember that from the trailer where it's just like, you know, you're seeing it's like this kind of weird, dark. You're seeing like Natalie Portman, and Mila Kunis, and like didn't like the trail. I remember one of the trailers like ends where she like pulls like the feather out of her shoulder, and you're like, what? Yeah, and like I said, I think in the wrong hands, this could have been a <laughs> really silly, you know, thing. But uh, part of that has to do with uh, the dying swan, which would be Beth, right? Um, who has a very kind of limited role in the film however i think is very significant because she kind of plays into a lot of nina's fears yes unintentionally right because she seems to not be handling her forced retirement very well uh she does the one thing that seems to freak nina out more than anything which is throw herself into oncoming traffic which <laughs> essentially ends her dancing career yes. and almost her life. Um, we kind of get a bizarre... Slightly overreaction. <laughs> we get a bizarre scene where Nina goes to the hospital room and lifts up the blanket of a sleeping Beth to look at her legs, which are have just been destroyed. Ugh, it's gross. And for whatever reason, uh, Beth's actions seem to really kind of impact her in a way that I I f- kind of found unexpected and it almost seems like kind of uh I don't want to say unnecessary because that makes it sound like bad but like almost like just like piling on you know what I mean like <laughs> right. it's like Jesus this fucking girl <laughs> she's got enough problems already she can yeah. barely handle what's going on and this fucking lunatic <laughs> is trying to kill herself yeah and it's just like it kind of like it, pl- it. It it definitely preys upon Nina's mind that this is what will happen no matter what. Which Nina's like, man, I am way more fucked up than she was. <laughs> uh, I mean, Toma refers to Beth as his little princess, and Lily tells Nina that one day Toma will call Nina his little princess as well. But Nina doesn't want to believe that, uh, and eventually he does, though. But it's at the very end of right. the film after the whole, you know, debacle that takes place opening night <laughs> yeah. and everything. And she's basically killed the white version, white swan version of herself anyway. Um, but she, uh, Beth, you know, represents, you know, these unique fears to Nina. Um, she's able to reach, uh, Nina's able to reach the same heights that Beth has previously reached. But Nina's like already fearful that she's going to be cast aside like beth even though this is like the very beginning right she's already she's got only that had the she's like a camper like at bug weeks. juice <laughs> <laughs> she's already <laughs> at bug juice like that's a place um you know uh she could potentially see beth as a warning as to what could happen to someone who gives themselves over completely to being the, a black swan to dancing this way. Right. Um, You'll eventually transition into someone who throws themselves in front of cars and then while in the hospital starts stabbing themselves in the face. Which I don't think really happened. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, we've already kind of talked about the lack of male figures in the film. But I mean, you know, her one male figure is sexually abusive and often downright cruel. Yeah, mentally abusive. <laughs> But, I mean, his validation is, uh, you know, a key element in her stressful work life, um, which, of course, you know, is the driving force behind her psychosis. So everything, you know, I mean, do we want to talk about the masturbation scene or? (laughs) I mean, good Lord. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) someone that we were someone that we went to the movies with that night dropped their phone. (laughs) during that scene i mean it was so shocking yeah very graphic uh, i mean not like explicit in the sense that you're like actually seeing anything but like i mean she is like getting on top of herself and grinding yeah she's going to town <laughs> right with her mother asleep in the chair beside the bed nearby on a, yeah un- unbeknownst to her <laughs> um you know obviously that's exciting and i mean you could not have like 
picked. That's exciting. <laughs> you could not have picked like two better chicks in 2010 to be like, uh, all right, dudes, <laughs> let's take a survey here. Uh, name two actresses that you would like to have a lesbian love scene together. I think Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman would have been pretty close to the top. And wasn't it Natalie Portman like lobbied for Mila Kunis or picked yes. her? I mean, what do you think that's like? <laughs> Let's Natalie unpack Bo- that. Yeah, Natalie, <laughs> Natalie Portman is just like, I've always wanted to find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we talked about, not on this show, but when we were watching it, um, we kind of expected Mila Kunis to kind of continue on this trend. Like, I was like, all right, this is her big moment. Yeah, like, she she's going to be in like, serious, serious, like, real movies. <laughs> And then, you know, she was in, like, that movie with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Or whatever. I forget what that was called. Which, that was a weird thing, too, because it was, like... And that other movie with Channing Tatum, Jupiter Ascending. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Serious bombs. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't quite... Well, like, she was in that movie, like, Friends with Benefits with Justin Timberlake or whatever. Yeah, that's what I just said. Right, and Nat- but Natalie Portman was in that movie, No Strings Attached, like, around the same time. With Ashton Kutcher, yeah, which, which was, was essentially a- the same movie. Right, that was yes. just, like, a um, weird caveat. <laughs> uh, so, everything kind of uh, builds and builds until the opening night. At this point, she's completely gone, Nina. I mean, yeah. mentally... She has lost her it. Her breakdown has reached Her reality no longer seems to remotely coincide with actual reality. Yeah. Um, and her mother makes one last desperate attempt to save her by... Quarantine her, her in the apartment. Yeah, basically um, taking the doorknob off of her bedroom door and calling the... Uh, you know, the ballet company and saying that she was sick and not going to come in and letting her sleep because before this was like her final like freak out and her you know body mutilation kind of fantasy was going overboard when her legs broke and she pulled a feather out and (laughs) she slammed her mom's hand in the door and all that (laughs) crazy shit which i like how you kind of react to the uh door slamming on the hand scene like because that's a little bit turn because away. Because that's real. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I don't want to watch the uh, jamming of some utensil in a face or whatever's going on there, I'm declared a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When um, Beth is taking the nail file and <laughs> stabbing herself repeatedly in the face. Um, Brutal. Well, I just... I think maybe, you know, stabbing yourself in the face with a nail file over and over seems so beyond reality to me that I can't really relate to it. But getting your hand slammed in the door is like one of my biggest fears. (laughs) (laughs) I always have this like weird thing where like, I think like one of my biggest fears is being at a bar and knocking over a full glass of beer. Oh, yeah, that is humiliating. Like the bartender just puts the glass down and then like you go to reach for it and you bang into it and knock it down. Oof. And I think about that at odd random times, not even yeah. at a bar. Like well, I'll be laying in bed about to fall asleep and that thought will like occur to me of <laughs> like how horrifying that is. Stare up at the ceiling for three hours after that. <laughs> yeah. That is a horrifying thought. I I also just think about like anytime I'm holding like any drink, I'm always just like, I'm going to drop this. <laughs> Well, that's because you have the shakes because you've had a drink in like nine hours. Yeah. Um, All right. So (laughs) I just constantly am living this nervous anxiety riddled life like uh, Natalie Portman's character in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. You and Natalie Portman from Black Swan are very similar. Just constantly weeping. (laughs) Except you have, you know, no ambition and no one cares what you're doing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right, so she wakes up and freaks out that like her mother is trying to stop her from doing this because she can't. Her she's so lost in her own psychosis. She doesn't. She she doesn't understand what's happening. She doesn't. She sees her mother as an enemy at this point, and her mother is trying to stop her dreams. But like you know, she doesn't know that she's been having this breakdown and that her mother's trying to protect her. Um, so she fights her way out by grabbing the hand that was smashed in the door and 
getting the doorknob which her mother was sitting on like under the chair cushion and then you know running out and getting to the uh um i don't know what they would call that the ballet ballet hall <laughs> whatever the yeah. uh the theater the theater yeah <laughs> i guess it's a theater um and <laughs> you know the ballet room that they do the dance in and uh you know she tells toma you know fuck you i'm here i'm doing it and right. you know yeah lily freaking out but they haven't announced the change yet, so but he's she like, is okay. like full confidence now. Yeah, at he, first, her demeanor, I think, persuades Toma that In she's fact, ready. She even tries to like pull a move on him by being like, "Do you really need like another controversy?" Yeah, after what happened with Beth, right? I guess you know there was a bit of a scandal with people kind of feeling like she walked into traffic. So she kind of like threatens him a little bit. So they go with it, and at the beginning of the performance she is dropped by the male dancer it's uh kind of her fault because as she's up there twirling around or whatever she's doing she sees something i don't even remember what it is but she freaks out it's kind of one of her hallucinations it's her fault i don't (laughs) yeah it's kind of like she squirms a little bit and he drops her which kind of seems like a pussy move on his part right um and then he's like what the fuck (laughs) and let's be honest here let's full disclosure this is the douchebag who knocked her up in real life and became her husband (laughs) yeah that's right it needed to be said what a villain yeah (laughs) anyway and you know while the performance is going on she's continuing to hallucinate uh or is she it's kind of unclear she sees like lily rub her hand over the guy's crotch (laughs) um she i mean that may or may not be a hallucination um she definitely it does seems hallucinate. like it probably is yeah but it, yeah it could be yeah. but it, it it's unclear right why yeah. it would matter because yeah. it's not like she really had anything going with that dancer but no. at least you know not in the movie in real life yeah but <laughs> and one of the just sort of random funny parts they have like during this sequence the dude who's like dressed up in all makeup is like i don't know whatever he's supposed to be some swan monster thing (laughs) (laughs) he just like walks by her and is like hey (laughs) so you know there's a lot of tension going on backstage after this yeah yeah, right after she falls she immediately buries the dude that dropped her she's like toma it's not my fault he dropped me (laughs) and crying as usual and that guy's like all right so uh i think it's at this point during the brief little intermission that she goes down to her dressing room and Lily is waiting in the dressing room and telling her it's not going well and she's going to replace her for the second half of the show, which causes a freak out. Doesn't seem like it's the way that a change would be handled. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. She slams Lily into a mirror. Right. And they she's- begin to fight and Lily pretends to be unconscious but then pops up and puts her hands around nina's neck choking her nina gets a bird neck going her neck starts to stretch out in a weird way (laughs) because she's continuing to transform into this black swan creature and she picks up a piece of glass and buries it into lily's stomach yeah causing her to die (laughs) pretty quickly (laughs) um and the glass breaks off in her stomach, too, which is also equally gross. Right. And then Lily's lifeless body lays in the dressing room, and Nina's like, well, I should do something with this, and just, like, drags it into the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, drags her into the bathroom, shuts the door. He's like, all right, well, that's good. And in that moment, she has become the black swan, because when she hits the stage for the next part of the performance, she is wild yeah her eyes are gone they are freaky looking and she right. dances in a way she's never danced like, before and blows everyone away yeah now i was wondering so like you know mentally she's had this like transition because she killed well i, I don't know yeah so we realized that she actually stabbed herself spoiler alert no um yes okay uh, so she has killed the white swan in herself which right. makes no sense Really, because, because Lily stabbed, was supposed to be yeah. the black swan, but whatever. Okay, um, but my question here is, she kills off that part of herself, like, and that's like the mental part of it, and now she's like, 
flawless and stuff. But I, I'm wondering if there's like a physical element of it too that she's like losing this blood and she's like out of her head, like she's like lightheaded and out of her head and can just perform flawlessly because. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like you know you might be trying to read too much into it. All I right, the more simple version is she got. She's, You're right. Tomas her father. <laughs> All right. That was a fun theory. Incest right. is fun. Whatever you're saying is... All right. All right. Move on to your next talking point. <laughs> the level of butt hurt in this room right now is off the charts. Um, why don't you just go kick rocks while you're at it? Um, <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, why do they have like so many breaks in this performance? Like she's because then she goes down there again and sees the blood coming from under the door and oh, she puts yeah. a big towel over it. <laughs> so at that point, she still Just thinks Lily is dead. Crime scene, fucking cleaner upper. <laughs> and does she go back up and dance more then, or is that when? Is yeah, because she has to go back up for the fu- big. Well, finale. The, well, the big finale comes when she realizes that Lily is still alive, and I wasn't oh, yeah. sure if that's the, if that's the same time because I was thinking. I think it is the same time because I think she does that, and then Lily knocks on the door, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and Lily tells her how great she is, and then she picks up the towel, and there's no blood, and she opens up the bathroom, and there's no one in there, and that's when she looks down at her own stomach and realizes that she's bleeding, and she's like, "Oh shit." I gotta get back out there and finish this thing. <laughs> and she just takes a big tampon and sticks it in her <laughs> gut. <laughs> yeah, so she goes back up there and finishes it off. And the finale of the performance is, uh, you know, the Swan Princess going up to this ledge. I don't know what that's supposed to be. I mean, it's basically a staircase, which makes no sense. Mm. And she flings herself from the top, killing herself rather than choosing between the two. Uh, the the light and the dark, the good and the evil. I don't really know what the stupid story of Swan Lake is. <laughs> yeah. Ballets are retarded. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she kills herself in the performance, and uh, the show ends, standing ovation. Her mother's crying. She sees her mother has reached the audience while she's up there on the thing. Yeah. And everyone you know the, the curtain closes, and <laughs> yeah, she's just got her arm up in a giant <laughs> cast. <laughs> Um, you know, everyone gathers around her after she's landed on the mattress or whatever, you know, that's there to break the fall and congratulating yeah, her. Yeah, that and, was wonderful. And Toma calls her his little princess and all this shit and, uh, is like kind of leaning over her body and then he pulls away for a second and that's when Lily is the first person Good to Lord. notice that there's blood everywhere because yes. even though she stabbed herself seemingly two hours ago, it didn't... <laughs> It didn't really start bleeding until the last five seconds yeah. <laughs> when the blood started spreading so much that even when she's falling in slow motion from the top of that staircase thing to land on the mattress, you, you just... can even see it spreading in that brief second of time. Like, it wasn't spreading at all for the first two hours, and now there's blood everywhere. Yeah, it and... doesn't really make sense, but I know, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, shouldn't she, even though she's doing this transition or whatever i mean i would think she'd want to do something to stop the bleeding not for her health but to not you know get her ballet not, suit yeah, not all. to blow it yeah yeah i mean i don't know i think she's probably in some sort of heightened manic state and that I don't, seems possible i, I don't yes. really think we could accuse her of thinking clearly right at any yeah point. you're probably right about that um she did take a shard of glass and break it off in her own stomach because she thought it was someone else and then pulled it out right later or not yeah maybe that's I, why the bleeding was so much more that's true yeah okay who knows it all makes sense <laughs> honestly though okay so then you know she tells toma that she was perfect or whatever everything's perfect Something. and everything's great yeah <laughs> yeah it seems and it. everything fades to white and the credits roll she's, she's looking up at the lights and then it yeah fades to white so you know the assumption is that she's dead right Although not confirmed, not confirmed. It seems crazy to me that she would die, but I guess maybe because she's been bleeding the whole time. Although yeah, would, I, if she know. was actually bleeding out, there'd be so much more blood that she wouldn't have been able to hide it for two hours or however much longer the ballet was. Yeah, my experiences with ballet is that they're interminable. They're like four hours long. <laughs> my experience with people bleeding out is zero. So. <laughs> 
I guess it doesn't really matter one way or another. I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of de- yeah. debate and discussion no. of whether or not she dies. I don't think it's just, really relevant to anything. I just don't know where this goes for her if she is still alive. Oh, mental institution. Yeah. I mean, That's ho- I would think at that point people indefinitely aren't going to be able to, you know, I think they're they would be aware of what had happened because even Toma I think says something like what did you do to yourself? Oh yeah. Like he he somehow knows instinctively that she did this to herself. Yeah, something tipped him off. <laughs> It might have been the her insanity twenty four seven waterworks fest right. going on <laughs> on her face, just crying all the time. I will say this: I mean, Natalie Portman always a stunner, but I mean, she is like so. I mean, obviously, she's an actress; she's small all the time, but like she is so skinny. Yeah, she lost like thirty pounds. It for is this like movie. insane. Yeah, she's a waif, <laughs> <laughs> um, but a true beauty. Yes, nonetheless. I mean, we'll even, you know, forgive her for Jane got a gun (laughs) (laughs) and no strings attached, (laughs) which I think her production company did. So, you know, good stuff. Got a lot of stuff to look forward to from that production company, (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) I think the same production company did Friends with Benefits with Mila Kunis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'm I know, like, I think Aronofsky's working with Jennifer Lawrence for like his next movie. Boy. So that should be fun. It's probably like an adaptation of that fucking murder you were telling me about with the chick whose arms were cut <laughs> off. Right, we don't need to tell people that that's what we're talking about all the time. I was I thought you were going to say it's going to be an adaptation of uh, when all of those nude pictures ever leaked on the internet. <laughs> that would be a fun movie. She, well, yeah, and then she just goes and like kills everyone yeah, that cool. looked at him. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's not a movie. <laughs> All right, so Black Swan, it's great. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you haven't seen it, I mean, we basically described the whole movie anyway. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. It's a cool... I actually... I re- this is, seems insane now, but I actually bought the CD of the soundtrack and like listened to it in my car like a bunch of times, which is really weird because I don't <laughs> really listen to classical music at all. And then one day while you were driving, you just ejected it and threw it out the window. Yeah, that has happened sometimes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I love the soundtrack, and yeah. it's just, I mean, it was such a, a cool movie that yeah. actually lived up to expectation right. for a change. Agreed. So, yeah, uh, if you're not already, which probably most of you aren't, you should follow the show on Twitter. I feel like if we actually got more followers on Twitter, then maybe I would tweet more. Oh, it's like a chicken-egg argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you could make sure you subscribe to the show. Maybe we could do, like, a contest. Or something. No, no contests. <laughs> um, and you know, if you rate and review the show, that helps us. I guess that's what every podcast says. I don't really know. I think it only helps podcasts that can like get that like, are actually listeners and shit. Yeah. Well, no. Well, it, what it helps is it makes your rating on iTunes higher because the rating isn't Ooh, just downloads yeah, right. for some reason, which I never understood. Not that this has anything to do with our podcast and like, you know, the 20 listens per episode that we get or whatever. (laughs) It's more than that. I'm joking. Um, Get ready, though. We're gearing up to ask for money. (laughs) (laughs) We need to like do a guest spot on a popular podcast. Yeah, where we can promote this show. Like we should see if we should get in touch with those My Favorite Murder. Yeah, I don't really see a lot of crossover there. I don't know if that's helpful. We talked about Chris Benoit. Did we? Well, we did a WWF episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, everything else. I think we're out of time. And so we'll see you next week. 